0: I invite you now to take a Bible and to open it to the last chapter in the book of Acts, Acts 28. For a little bit of context, uh, Brad led us last week in Acts chapter 1, where about 120 of the closest followers of Jesus were gathered together and anticipating the coming of the Holy Spirit so that they would be empowered to go throughout Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and then the uttermost parts of the earth with the message that the kingdom of God was here, that the repentance for the forgiveness of sins was available to everyone who would come. And then we're now jumping to where it's not those 120 uh, closest followers of Jesus anticipating going out, Uh, what we're actually about to start reading is about 276 people who just got shipwrecked. And once it became clear that the boat was going to give way, that it was stuck and the storm was ravaging the ship, and so everybody who needed to had to jump overboard and make it to land, one of the soldiers on this ship of 276 said, Well, before we all go, we should probably execute the prisoners because we will lose control of them once we all jump. And one of the soldiers, a centurion, knowing the apostle Paul and knowing that he was a prisoner on this ship, said, No, 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 don't do that. We're all about to jump and look for land. Don't execute any of the prisoners. And this is where we pick it up. After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, A viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up, Or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now, in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who had received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that after the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery, and Paul visited him, And prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly, and when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse we stayed there for three days, and from there we made a circuit and around to Regium, and after one day a south wind sprang up, and on the second day we came to Pituli. There we found brothers, and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when he came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews, and when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, And when they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are. And for with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. And when they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers, from morning till evening, He expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. And he lived there two whole years at his own expense, and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God, And teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And that'll conclude our reading. It's a pretty dramatic point at which to pick up the story. Uh, If you don't have plans on this snowy Sunday afternoon, uh, you would be really blessed to pick up the story in Acts chapter 20, where Paul knows he's on his way back to Jerusalem. And he begins to start saying goodbye to the churches as he is in route to Jerusalem. And he knows before he goes that he's going to face arrest and persecution and trial. And so sometimes, even in that gathering, the believers are saying, Paul, please don't go to Jerusalem, please don't go. At one point, very prophetically, somebody comes up to him and takes off his outer garment and then uses that to bind his hands together and says, "This is what's awaiting you in Jerusalem." And he knows it. But he continues to go, because as he has been a missionary and traveled around the Mediterranean, proclaiming the good news to the ends of the earth, one of the things he's also been doing is gathering funds and resources to take back to Jerusalem in order to bless the church that has suffered so much persecution. And so, even though he knows suffering is on the way, even though people who love him were telling him not to do it, he makes this trip to Jerusalem. And there's a few things that I want to point out just in this chapter uh, that all come from those last few chapters in Acts. But one, it's that God spreads his message of good news by unexpected means. This good news of the gospel of the kingdom uh, having arrived and all people being able to repent from their sins and find forgiveness through Jesus, it spreads as you continue to read through Acts in very unexpected uh, ways. And so Paul had in his mind a desire to proclaim the gospel in Rome. We have a letter that he wrote to the believers there about the gospel, but the way he actually ends up getting there is as a prisoner. And even along the way, as a prisoner going by sea, one of the ships that he goes on to arrive completely uh, wrecks, and they have to wait for months until the weather changes and they can find a new ship to continue on their journey. And it's not exactly how you or I would write the story of how we would hope to get to the place it is that God is directing us it's it's unexpected it's unusual in the way that God works previously in the book of Acts we saw at times when even Paul himself had a disagreement with somebody he loved uh, in Barnabas about whether or not to include John Mark in the continuing journeys and they disagreed so strongly that they went their separate ways and we would say that uh, that's unfortunate that's sad But yet God used that as a means by which the message would and the work would multiply. That neither one of them in their dispute with each other then said, well, that's it, I'm done spreading this message. They were equally passionate about spreading this message. And so they discovered that now they could do it and should do it in different ways. And so the message went farther and to even more people than they would have expected at one point paul is desiring to go into a region in asia and the holy spirit intervenes and says you're not supposed to go there you're actually supposed to go further into europe and then when paul gets there when his plans have been thwarted and had to change the very first convert he makes in europe was a lady from asia From the very region that he was not allowed to go to, he meets her as a businesswoman in Philippi, and she's the first convert there. And all these surprising and unexpected ways that God is working to bring about his kingdom and to spread the message is a good reminder for us because we can often make plans and try to make as good and as wise of plans as we can. But you don't have to live very long before you realize life does not unfold according to your or my plans. (laughs) And so much so that uh, a a few people have said it that I don't even know who the original person is to attribute the quote to. But if you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans. Uh, Because whatever your plans are, are likely not his. Uh, That he is not the one submitting to our will and how to run the world. But we, even in our sincerity and desire to follow him, will find ourselves regularly surprised by how he works. It is through unexpected means. And so here they are. There are 276 people shipwrecked and coming to an island. And then it says in verse 2 that the native people showed us unusual kindness. They kindled the fire and they welcomed us all. That's, again, one of those surprising things about life. It doesn't always or often unfold according to plan. And a lot of times, it is in moments of significant hardship or tragedy where we also see some of the best of humanity in the unusual kindness that people feel compelled to show one another when they realize that people are in need you've surely experienced that in your moments A uh, uh, different experiences life when huge tragedy happens there is often a response of kindness of strangers to welcome other people and to support them in their time of need uh, not this week but the previous week uh, i had the opportunity to be in new york city for the first time uh, in several years And it was my first time ever being able to go to a Broadway play. And I didn't want to buy a ticket in advance because the last time I bought a ticket, one of our kids got sick and we ended up not being able to go and uh, gave our tickets to somebody else. And I said, I don't want to do that again. So only if I can make it and I'm on time, then I'll just see if I can show up and get into a show. But there was a specific one that I wanted to see called Come From Away, which if you don't know the story of it, it's the true story of Newfoundland, Canada, where on September 11th, when our airspace was closed and all planes were ordered to be uh, now on the ground, a small town in Canada of about 7,000 people received about 7,000 guests because they have an unusually large airport for the size of their town. And so it's a musical about the true story of the hospitality of this town that doubled in size overnight. With then no sense of how long these people would stay. Would they be able to get on a plane the next day and go? Would they have to wait several days? And so as the characters are are playing, the people on the plane coming off, and one of the people, uh, they wouldn't let anybody take their luggage off of the planes because they wanted to be prepared to go. So they could only take their carry-ons with them when they uh, deplaned, and not knowing how long they would be there, but then it ended up lasting four days that they were now in an unexpected small town, entirely dependent on the hospitality of other people to provide shelter, food, and clothing. And I cried through most of it. I mean, one, to watch it, but to watch it after I just read and watched a number of things in the 20th anniversary of those events this past year but then to also watch it in New York City where so much of the tragedy transpired was just incredibly moving but it was this window also into this dynamic that, in this amazing tragedy there was this unusual kindness I didn't want to read too far into it to see then how it unfolded, but eventually towards the end, many of the people on the 10th anniversary of it came back and brought their families with them to introduce them to the people who had been so hospitable to them in their time of need. And then as I read this story of here's Paul with 200 other people on a ship end up uh, stranded We don't know much about these people on this island, but there is, in God's common grace, often unusual kindness displayed to people in significant need or tragedy. Then we also see the undoing of the curse. Uh, As we had gone through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, Mark Kuyper had led through Mark chapter 1, how Jesus was showing his ability to undo the effects of the curse and I think that theme continues here in this chapter Paul is now just trying to add to the fire and to keep it going that the local townspeople have got together and as he assembles uh, a, a bunch of sticks to throw them in one of those is not a stick and it's a snake that wraps itself around him and it causes all of the people to say what did you do you must be guilty of something we don't know how you survived the shipwreck but justice will prevail and you're going to be punished. But then he's not. He's fine. He can shake it off and there's no uh, reaction that his body has, no swelling. He's totally fine. Now, for most of the people on that island, they don't have the, the story of Adam and Eve in the garden and a serpent tempting them into ultimately rebellion against God. But I do think there's an aspect in which what the serpent did in Genesis chapter 3, this snake is unable to do here in Acts 28. For them, it is dramatic, it is miraculous, they start to think that Paul himself is now maybe some sort of a god, and he stays there long enough to help them understand, no, he's not. But the god who he serves is a god sovereign over nature, just like Gaylord described this morning so well we believe god rules over all of his creation and so he can bring miraculous healing he can prevent sickness from coming and then once now paul stays at the leader's uh, home and discovers that his own father is sick paul heals him and then what happens well the word gets around and every sick person on the island is brought to paul and Paul is able to be this extension of healing that Jesus was did when he was uh, still alive and with them. Now they're coming to one of Jesus' followers and they're seeing the curse being undone. That this good God who's announcing his kingdom and that it is for everyone also has power over sickness and death and the grave. And there's seeing this in a, in, a, in a powerful way that the curse can be undone when we follow after Christ. It says they wait there for about three months until they can find the next ship. And then the very ship they get on, isn't this unusual? It has at the front of the ship the figureheads of two gods that the Greeks would have worshipped. You know, sort of their way of putting, you know, Ford versus Chevy versus uh, Toyota. Toyota. But those weren't just companies. This was, this ship will sail with the protection and the blessing of these two gods as it's out at the sea. And here's Paul getting a free ride to Rome as a prisoner on a pagan ship. He knows where the real protection comes from. And so he's able to take this journey for it, but what others are putting their hope and faith and trust in, he can witness to them and testify to them about the futility of their gods and the rightness and the holiness and the uniqueness of the God of the Bible. It's not how he would have written it. It's not how you and I would probably plan our travels uh, and our adventures had God called us uh, to this area, but it is amazing how he is able to do this and then it says with all of that still when he gets to Rome in verse 15 the second half of it says Paul thanked God and took courage and when we came into Rome Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who had guarded him and so this phrase that Paul here, after all these events, still needs to take courage. It actually comes from chapter 23 and verse 11. If you have a Bible open, uh, you can look at it. But Paul was in the heat of persecution in Jerusalem. Like I had said earlier, in his traveling there, people were warning him and saying it's going to be dangerous, and Paul is experiencing the full brunt of that danger as he is arrested and he's brought before the council and the people were so mad at him that the soldiers had to basically take him and hide him from the mob because it says the mob wanted to tear him to pieces and in the height of that intensity the lord gives him an unusual promise in verse 11 acts 23:11 the following night the lord stood by him and said take Courage, For as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. And Paul needed that word. Shortly after that promise was given to him, 40 men made a vow that they would never eat again until they ended Paul's life. I don't know if you've ever had anybody mad at you, but I don't think you've ever had that many people that mad at you. But Paul needs this promise because the very next thing that happens is that 40 people take an oath before the Sanhedrin, we will not eat until we've ended his life. Paul's nephew overhears that and goes and tells Paul. And he says, go tell that to the, to the leader. The pagan leader, he goes and tells him, and that guy says, Okay, give me 200 troops, give me 70 cavalry, and we're getting them out of here tonight, and we're sending them to Caesarea. In the darkness of night, hundreds of people protecting him, Paul gets taken from Jerusalem to Caesarea. Yeah, Paul needs an unusual word from the Lord that says, Paul, take courage. (laughs) This is all scary. Right, Part of having courage or having bravery means it's scary. I talk about this with my boys often. We wouldn't call it courage if you weren't afraid. We wouldn't call it bravery if you weren't scared. There are reasons to be scared. There are all kinds of things that should cause us anxiety and weigh us down. But what we need in the face of those things is courage to press on. And so now Paul has made it all the way to Rome. The promise has been fulfilled and it doesn't just say and so he had taken courage but it says and so he's taking courage again (laughs) he still needs to rely upon God and with whatever fears or anxieties are coming into his life still to rely on God to get him through that and so to take the courage that he needs now and so this uh, this unlikely courage that he has in all of these circumstances to proclaim the word of god in this moment then he calls together the local leaders of the jews assembles them and we read together his opportunity to witness to them the hope that he has in the god of israel who promises a future resurrection which all of them can take place in and how jesus himself is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets And so from this unlikely courage, we see that the very last verse, it says he was proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And so in in all of these circumstances, we see this unhindered witness of the apostle Paul. The chains couldn't stop him. The shipwreck couldn't stop him. We don't know when those 40 men broke their oath, but at some point they had to break their oath to never eat again. It's almost this comical story. You know, when did they break down and say, did you have breakfast today? We told each other we were not going to eat until we got him, and he's long gone. There's no chance they're going to get him. And so all of those points of opposition could not hinder what God was doing in expanding his kingdom and making it so that people would know and be invited into the good news of the forgiveness of their sins through all that transpired. And so we believe God continues to do all of this, continues to work in all of these ways, not according to all of our plans and how we think it should go, but always according to his goodness, always according to his grace. He can do surprising things when life surprises us. We were laying down last night, I was putting the kids to bed and... Right before the older two were going down, uh, my son, my oldest, Levi, said, hey, I haven't seen a video from Ukraine for the last two days or something. How are Scott and how are the Soviets doing? And I said, oh, today we didn't get a video, but we actually got a, a written update from Oksana. And so I said, do you want me to read it to you? And he says, yes. So this is what I read him. By God's mercy, we're doing well. The situation in our area of Ukraine is about the same. Periodically, the Russian convoys come through the area, and we can regularly hear the explosions of fighting in the distance. So far, though, the fighting is keeping them occupied, and they haven't come door-to-door or begun doing document checks like they have in other surrounding towns and villages. People around us are scared, and Scott and I spend much of our time encouraging and keeping in touch with people, because most of these dear ones are not Christians and are very distressed. We have many chances to witness to people about Christ. A pastor from a church nearby had left because of the war, and so that congregation is struggling spiritually. Scott's been doing a lot of counseling, comforting, and picking up some of the broken pieces. And that leads to our main prayer request, that the Lord would give us wisdom as we're dealing with different individuals, different opinions and personalities and varying situations around us. As human beings, we get tired, worn out, and emotionally drained. But I'm amazed at how the scripture meets our needs. Psalm 25, 15 has been such an encouragement to me. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. And we thank you so much for keeping us in your prayers. The Lord is answering them. For weeks, we've been expecting to wake up in the morning with no electricity or to a cold house and no water. Many of the villages around us have had long periods of time with no electric, which means that water pumps, heaters, gas furnaces all can't work. But so many people have been praying specifically about that, and we've not had these problems so far. Most of the time, we even have internet. We, true, we f- truly feel spoiled and blessed. We'd asked you to pray about the shortage of food in our area and because of the generosity of so many we've been able to help meet those needs. All the supermarkets are empty and closed, but in recent days many farmers from nearby villages are bringing their produce and meat to the central market. And as I was shopping today, I saw an abundance of vegetables, milk products and bread. No more bread lines, praise the Lord. Another new thing that we're seeing are many pedestrians since Public transportation is closed and gasoline is so hard to get, people are walking. Last Sunday, one family walked about three miles to come to our church service. I held back tears as I saw their desire and determination to be in church. This is just a little glimpse at our life. And I looked up at my son, and he goes, That was way better than I was expecting. He said, it was. It is. God can work in mysterious ways. And that is what we tell the world, that they can place their trust on him, which won't mean if they trust him, everything goes according to plan and nothing ever surprises them, but it's that they can know that he is with them through all of life's twists and turns. And for whatever unusual hardships come, there is unusual grace that he gives to his children. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can read back on a story of almost 300 people stranded at sea in what would seem like a hopeless situation, and yet to recognize your goodness and grace and provision to keep all of them alive. To then use that to elevate the Apostle Paul, who was a prisoner, but then became a voice that people listened to because they could not deny your favor upon him. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us, that all of us have been surprised by life and its challenges. Uh, All of us are dealing with trying to adjust to things that haven't gone the way we would have specifically planned or hoped, but help us to be encouraged that you are with us, that your purposes for us are good and kind, that we can trust that in placing our faith in you, that you will do all things well. We thank you that you're willing to use us, using, willing to use even the broken parts of our story and our past to ultimately be uh, a witness and a testimony that others need. And so we pray that you would help us to be open and available to all that you would want to do through our lives to spread the good news of the kingdom. And we do thank you for the good report that we continue to hear from our loved ones in Ukraine. We know that that is not everyone's story. And so we just pray that you would help them continue to be a light in a dark place, that they would continue to be an encouragement for so many who are weary and in need, and for all the times that they are growing weary themselves, would you help them like the Apostle Paul, take courage and trust that just as you have guided their past, that you are guiding their future. In Jesus' name, amen.